Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated and bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, and tonight's episode will be the final episode of the second season. I will be taking a two-week hiatus, but I will be returning on October 13th, and that's when we will be starting our countdown to Halloween. So, without further ado, this is... Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are Escape and The Hermit's Cave. The radio play tonight featured from Escape is entitled Linogens vs. The Ants and it was first broadcasted on January 14, 1948 and it stars the prolific actor William Conrad who was also the narrator of the series for seven years. Many of you may remember him from the popular 70s and 80s television shows, Cannon and Jake and the Fat Man. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Linogen versus the Ants. Isolated on a remote plantation in the crawling Amazon jungle, and an immense army of ravenous ants is closing in on you, swarming in to eat you alive. A deadly black army from which there is no escape. Escape. Produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and carefully contrived to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to the Amazon jungle and to a creeping, crawling terror, as Carl Stevenson told it in his gripping story, Linogen versus the Ants. first met Lanningen while performing my duty as district commissioner. As my boat neared his plantation landing, I saw him upon the riverbank, regarding me with mild interest. A great hulk of a man with bristling gray hair, bulky nose, and pale eyes. His entire appearance somehow suggested an aging and shabby eagle. He escorted me to the terrace and had a drink brought. I came quickly to the point of my visit and issued my warning. 
Leinenson puffed placidly at a huge cigar and listened as I told him, unless they alter their course, and there's no reason why they should, they'll reach your plantation in two days at the latest. Uh-huh. Well, it was decent of you paddling all this way just to give me the tip. Tip? Commissioner. Even a herd of crocodiles couldn't drive me from this plantation of mine. But these aren't creatures you can fight. They're, they're an elemental force, a gigantic catastrophe. Ten miles long, two miles wide, ants, nothing but ants, and each one as big as your thumb, and each of them a fiend from hell. Unless you clear out at once, there'll be nothing left of you but a skeleton picked as clean as your own plantation will be. I'm not getting out. But you can't fight. Yes, I can. I've got the best weapon there is, Commissioner. Intelligence. But can't I make you understand the hideous... I think it is you who do not understand. In the three years I've been here, I've met and defeated more than one catastrophe. Flood, drought, the plague. Events which caused many of my neighbors to flee for their lives. No, Commissioner, all my life I have lived with one creed. The human brain needs only to become fully aware of its powers to conquer even the elements. Leinenton, your obstinacy is endangering not only your own life, but the lives of your workers and their families. You don't know these ants. I tell you, you don't know these ants. But Leinenton merely sat there puffing at his cigar and regarding me with a smug grin. And I knew it was hopeless. As I boarded my launch and cast off, I realized I'd never met a man like that. And I could not help wondering wondering about the strange look in the commissioner's eyes as he boarded his launch and cast off. Undoubtedly, he thought me insane. (laughs) Well, he would not have been the first to think so. But I, Leningen, knew my own powers. I was sure of myself. I knew that intelligence directed aright always makes man the master of his fate. That night, I called my Indian workers together in front of the plantation house. I saw their faces go ashen with terror as I told them that the ants were coming. Watched them as they milled around, muttering. I said nothing more to them. Finally, one of the men stepped forward. Blas, the foreman. Patron. We have worked hard here for these three years. Uh, all of us. We have built the finest plantation in this district. We all share in it. It has been a home for all of us and our families. Now the ants come. So? Uh, those ditches we dug last year, the pipe we put in the ground, that was for the ants? Yes, that was for the ants. If we moved our families across the river, the ants could not reach them? Yes, that's right. And you? The ants are mighty. We know what they can do. All of us think that you are mighty. Patron, we will stay with you and fight against the ants. I knew that the men would give me that answer. I counted on it. I thought of the commissioner and wondered what he would say at such unquestioning confidence. Would he still think I was insane? Or had he dismissed it out of my mind? One man who calmly evaluated his chances against a deadly menace, coolly decided he could win and was willing to stake his life on it, to risk a horrible death for it. 
It was terrifying. And yet it was fascinating. The next morning I sent for my assistant. Together we went to the huge map of the district which hung from a wall of my office and checked the last reported position of the ants. Last night they had reached here, about 70 miles above this fork in the river. Traveling southeast? Uh, yes. Directly toward Lanningham. Toward uh, whom, sir? That plantation at the bend in the river belongs to a man named Leiningen. When would you say the ants will reach there? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I imagine about uh, tomorrow noon. Tomorrow noon. Still time. Uh, still uh, time? Uh, what do you mean, sir? Why, why nothing. But what did I mean? Still time for what? For Leiningen to flee or still time for me to... Even as I rejected the thought with horror, I knew that the fascination of that man was more than I could resist. That Leiningen's fight was drawing me back toward that plantation and death. I knew now past all doubt that I was going back. I had to. It was ten o'clock in the morning when I rounded the bend and saw Lanningen's plantation before me. I put in at the dock and tied up the launch. Then I saw him standing on the bank above me, arms folded, stubby cigar in his mouth, and that same smug grin on his face. I made my way up to him. Ah, back with another warning, Commissioner? No. Back to stay a while? Yes. <laughs> You don't seem surprised. No, I'm not. You expected me? I thought you'd be back. Yeah, come along. We'll get some horses. You'll want to ride around the plantation, take a look at the defenses I've rigged up. Yes, I'll want to see the defenses. And the ants. We'll be getting a glimpse of them before long, I should think. Yes, the ants. The defenses Lanningen had devised were quite impressive. Surrounding three sides of the plantation like a huge horseshoe was a ditch 12 feet wide. The ends of this horseshoe-shaped ditch ran into the river which formed the fourth side of the plantation. And at the upriver entrance to the ditch, Lanningen had constructed a dam by which the river water could be diverted into the ditch. A large handwheel controlled the floodgate of the dam and apparently Lanningen had ordered it opened immediately after my arrival. Whereas we now approached the ditch and rode along it, I could see that it was nearly full. Ah, how do you like my first line of defense, Commissioner? It's reassuring, like a moat around a castle. (laughs) Unless the ants know how to build rafts, they won't reach the plantation. But this is only the outer moat. There's a better one than this. Now, come along. We'll go up to the high ground where the buildings are. We can get a view from there. Leiningen. Huh? I didn't see any women or children around the plantation or any animals. Yes, that's right. Moved them across the river. And even you think there is danger. Not because of danger, Commissioner. Matter of efficiency. Efficiency? Yes, cuts down on the efficiency of the men if they're worried about their families. Critical situations only become crises when oxen and women get excited. I see. Ah, here we are. Yeah, see the ditch? It's much smaller than the others. Yes, you've noticed how all the buildings are on this piece of high ground. The inner ditch surrounds them, and it's lined with concrete. But even filled with water, this is no barrier. It's not big enough. Why, if the ants get this far, they'll... They'll get no farther. This ditch wasn't built for water, Commissioner. 
You see the pipes leading into it? See those storage tanks on the hill? Petrol. We can throw up a wall of flame. Care to bet they won't like that? I hope you're right. Lannigan, look. Over at the edge of the jungle, all those animals. Yes. Running like the wind. Everything from jaguars to monkeys. Good heavens. Remember, they don't have any ditches. But can they escape? Now, they'll be all right as long as they don't get caught between the river and the ants. They can outrun the crawlers. But if they get trapped, it's either the ants or the crocodiles. Ah, look, look. Up there over the horizon. There are your ants. Look at them. It was a sight I will never forget. Over the range of hills, as far as I could see, crept a darkening hem. Ever longer and broader until the shadows spread across the entire slope, then downward. Downward, uncannily swift. And all the green herbage on the entire slope was being mowed as by a giant sickle. Leaving only the vast moving shadow extending, deepening. And always moving nearer. Uh, they're a hideous lot. Lyningen, we can't last against that. Look at them. Why, they will fill your ditches with their corpses and still have enough to destroy every one of us. We've got to run. Well, I... I... No, they haven't gotten to us yet, and they never will. The hostile army was approaching in perfect formation. No human battalions, however well-drilled, could ever hope to rival the precision of that advance. Along a front that moved forward as uniformly as a straight line, the ants drew nearer and nearer to the water ditch. As they approached, two outlying wings of the army detached themselves from the main body and started marching along the sides of the ditch, no doubt expecting at some point to find a crossing. And during this hour-long flanking movement, the main army remained still. Across the scant 12 feet of ditch, I stared at them, and they stared back at me. Solid mass, every one as big as my thumb with reddish-black body and long legs. Suddenly, a sound so unearthly as to freeze our blood jerked our heads in the direction of the jungle on the far side of the ditch. Coming toward the ditch at a stumbling gallop was a singular being, a writhing animal-like blackened statue with a shapeless head and four quivering feet. It was a stag covered over and over with ants. Lannigan threw up his rifle, and the stag fell lifeless to the ground, its agonies at an end. Horrified as I was, my curiosity impelled me to glance at my watch. I had to know how long the ants would take. Six long minutes, only the white polished bones of the stag remained. Now I could see a change in Lanigan. Gone was the sporting zest of the novel contest. In its place was a cold, violent purpose. He had to beat the ants because he now knew how long it would take them once they got to us. Around four in the afternoon, the ant scouts, having found no crossing, there was a stirring among the main army. 
And then an immense flood of ants about a hundred yards in width commenced pouring in a glimmering black cataract down the flower slope of the ditch. Thousands drowned instantly, but the rest began using the bodies as bridges. Lanagan immediately swung into action. The dam, open the flood gate a little more. We've got to get the water in the ditch moving faster. Si, senor. Uh, look at them drown. But they keep coming. Even though the current carries many of them away, they're advancing. Well, we'll fix them. What? Yes, senor. How about those shovels and petrol sprinklers? You pass them out to the men? Yes, it has been done. Then get all hands here in a hurry. This looks like the spot for action. Commissioner. Yes? Beginning to see what I was talking about? What do you mean? About intelligence being more than a match for anything it tackles. Take the ants. They've got no intelligence. If they had, they'd have attacked along the whole length of the ditch instead of a narrow front like this. They'd have been across by now. Too bad I'm not running their campaign for them. You can joke about it like that with ants halfway across the ditch? All right, men. Busy with the shovels now. Dump some sand and clods on them. See how they like that. You with the petrol sprinklers. Stop puffing. Uh (laughs) They don't like it, Commissioner. I don't like it a bit. Look at them. Yes, but look at the ones on the far side of the ditch. Whole clumps of them rolling into the water. The rest are using them for bridges. Yeah, smarter than I thought. And they're widening their front, too. Some of them are getting across. Uh, grab a shovel, then, Commissioner. Make them regret it. What's the matter? They killed him, Monsieur Monsieur. Let out my eyes. That's the petrol, idiot. Dash your hands on the petrol. Don't stop now. The rest of you, grab him. Grab him. We cannot hold it back, Monsieur. We must run. Keep at it. Keep at it. Don't stop now. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, the water's moving faster. And now I've got the floodgates open. Yes, they can't hold their own against the current now. Uh, look at them, Commissioner. The water's carrying them away. We've beat them. We've won out. It was true, Leningen had won. At least the opening round. The floodgates were left open to forestall any night crossing. But when dawn came, the dark blanket was still there, motionless across the ditch. Then we noticed a feverish activity on the other side of the plantation. Here, a grove of tamarind trees lined the far end of the ditch, and every tree swarmed with the crawling insects. But instead of eating the leaves, they were merely gnawing through the stems so that a thick green shower fell steadily to the ground. Well, it looks as if it's feeding time for our friends, eh? Glass. Senor. Have all the petrol pumps brought here. Get everyone over here except the lookouts on the other side. Then pass out the shovels. Uh, si, senor. Going to deprive them of a meal? A meal? Aren't they cutting down the leaves for food? No. I wish they were. It looks like I underestimated them when I said they didn't have intelligence. What do you mean? I said if they wanted to get across, they'd have to have rafts. And that's just what they've got. Those leaves are their rafts. Even as he spoke, the leaves went tumbling down the far bank by the thousands. The current drew them away from the bank, and each leaf carried several ants. Don't worry, as long as you can keep spraying them and shoveling dirt on their rafts, they can't land. But there will be too many. It's true. Look, more leaves in the ditch all the time. Why, they'll have a solid carpet to walk across in a minute. Uh, Not so fast, Commissioner. I've still got a trick up my sleeve for them. The water! The ditch is drying up! Yes, yes, of course it's drying up. That's the plan. Those are the orders I sent to the dam. Are you mad? As soon as it's empty, what's to prevent the... Look! 
The water's way down. It's almost dry. They'll be able to come across the bottom. They'll not make it. The man at the dam will have opened the gates by now. To flood the ants? Right. But what a chance to take. If anything should happen... <laughs> uh, here it comes. Here comes the water. Yes, we'll give the crawlers a ditch to ride in. Right out to the river. There. <laughs> Look at them go. Lyman tactics were successful at first. The violent flow of water at the original depth raced through the ditch, overwhelming leaves and ants and sweeping them along. Three times the ditch was emptied. Three times the ants raced across its bottom and three times the rushing water arriving just in time carried them away. But the fourth time, as the water lowered nearly to the bottom of the ditch, we waited in vain for the rushing waters and then... What's the matter? What's gone wrong at the dam? Just as the man at the dam lowered the water almost to the bottom, the ants attacked. Before he could open the floodgate, he was almost surrounded. He ran. The ants kept coming. They are across the ditch. Lyman stood motionless, absorbing the news of his defeat without a word. Then he raised his pistol and fired three shots into the air. The prearranged signal for all the men to retreat instantly to the second line of defense. The concrete ditches more than a mile from the point of the invasion. Soon after we arrived there, the natives commenced straggling in silently. Lanningen waited until all of them had gathered. Then he spoke to them. Well, lads, we won the first round and lost the second. But we'll smash the crawlers yet. Anyone who thinks otherwise can draw his pay and push off. There are rafts enough on the river and plenty of time still to reach them. You stay, then. Good. Thank you, lads. And you, Commissioner? I I can't persuade you to give up the fight? You cannot. Then I stay, too. Yeah. I knew you would. Senor! Senor! If you are the ants of Rita Ditch... They are trying to get across? No, senor. I didn't think they would. There's plenty of food out there for them. My fields and orchards, the work of three years. Ought to last them until morning, anyway. <laughs> Yes, we were safe for that night. But the next morning, the black swarm was solid around us and their shock troops were hard at work. They were dropping shreds of bark and twigs and leaves into the petrol-filled ditches, forming a floating bridge across the surface of the liquid. Lanningen stood silently watching this operation and I could see a grudging admiration in his face. Then after several hours, the attack came. Down the ditch they poured, millions of them, and across the bridge of twigs, rapidly approaching the inner side. Lanagan sat motionless, watching them. Watching them. Lanagan, for the love of God, don't sit there like a statue. They'll be on us in a moment. Let them fill the ditch first. Ah. Now. All right. Everyone back. Blast. Hand me the torch. Now we'll see how our friends like a little heat. Flames from the ditch shot into the air, devouring ants by the millions. It was some time before the petrol burned down to the bed of the ditch, but when it did, the devils came back for more. Again, Lanigan fired the ditch to destroy them, and still again they came on, but at each successive firing, the task of the ants grew easier because of the film of ash which now covered the petrol. And as they returned to the assault time after time, a slow, sickening horror crept into my mind. I looked quickly at Lanigan, then at the petrol tanks. He read my gaze and nodded slowly. 
That's right, Commissioner. We could hold them off forever if our supply of petrol was unlimited. But it isn't. We've got enough to fill the ditch once more. Lanagan, isn't there any way, any way at all? We've got to do something I we can I know, can't... I know. There must be a way. There must be. Yes. Yes. What is it? We'll flood the whole plantation. Flood? But how? The river's higher than any point except this high ground we're on now. If the river was dammed all the way, it'd overflow that stone breakwater and flood the whole plantation. We've got to close the floodgate at the dam. That'll do it. You're mad. The dam is more than a mile away, more than a mile away. Lads, listen to me. Listen, lads. I'm proud of you. Now, there's still a chance. We're shutting the floodgates on the dam and flooding the whole plantation from the river. The moment I'm over the ditch, set fire to it. That'll allow time for the flood to wash away the ants. Then all you'll have to do is wait for me. It's impossible. You can't get to the dam, let alone back. That's why you're wrong, Commissioner. I'll get them, and I'll get back. Take care of things while I'm gone, huh? I watched him as he calmly pulled on high leather boots, drew gauntlets over his hand and stuffed the spaces between breeches and boots, gauntlets and arms, with petrol-soaked rags. He shielded his eyes with close-fitting mosquito goggles and plugged his nostrils and ears with cotton. Then the natives drenched his clothes with petrol. Blas, who acted as doctor to the men, smeared a salve over him, and finally Lannington was ready. And as he stood calmly surveying... ready for the run, I realized that this is it should be. I, Lannington, would meet the ants and defeat them, or be defeated by them. <laughs> Lannington versus the ants... Yes, it was right that it should be like this. But now there was no more time for thought. Only action. I took a deep breath and then bounded across the ditch and among the ants. I ran. I ran in long, equal strides with one thought, one sensation in my being. I must get through. I dodged the trees and shrubs. Except for the split seconds my soles touched the ground, the ants would have no opportunity to alight on me. I ran on. I was halfway to the dam before I felt ants under my clothes and a few on my face. I struck on them mechanically, scarcely conscious of their bites. And the dam drew toward me slowly. And the distance grew less, less. Finally, only a hundred yards away. Fifty. Then I was there. I gripped the ant-covered wheel, but... <laughs> oddly, had I seized it when a horde of ants flowed over my hands and arms. I strained and... Slowly the wheel turned and turned more. The floodgate was swinging slowly shut. Then it was shut. And the water was rising, rising behind the breakwater, closer to the top, closer. And then it was spilling over. Flooding of the plantation had begun. I let go of the wheel and started back through the ants. I was coated from head to foot with the fiends. Tongues of fire stabbed at me as they bit into my flesh. I almost lost my head with the pain as I ran, knocking ants from my body, brushing them from my bloody face. And that one bit me just below the rim of my goggles. I managed to tear him away. But the agony of the bite and its venom drilled into the eye nerves. I saw now through circles of fire into a milky mist. I was almost blinded. But I knew that if I tripped and fell... I ran on, my heart pounding as if it would burst, blood roaring in my ears, a giant's fist battering my lungs. And then, 
I could see dimly that wall of flame at the ditch, but it was too far away. I could not last half that distance. I stumbled and fell. Felt myself being swarmed over, devoured. Tried to rise. A great weight. And then suddenly the vision of the half-devoured stag in my brain. Six minutes, then nothing but bones. I couldn't let that happen to me. I couldn't die like that. To my feet. To my feet. Drag myself forward. Draw the flame. The ditch. The ring of flame. Closer now. Only a little closer. It seemed we had waited for hours when all at once through the blazing ring around us an apparition hurtled and fell full length on the ground. It was Linengen, alive with ants, unconscious, with glazing eyes and lacerated face. We rushed to him, stripped off his clothes and tore at the ants that covered him. His body seemed almost one open wound. In one place I could see a white bone. Later, as the curtain of flame lowered, I looked out where the blanket of ants had been and saw only a vast expanse of water, covering the entire plantation and working its way to within a few feet of the concrete ditch. The ants were gone, drowned, and Leiningen had won. He lay on his bed, his body swathed from head to foot with bandages, but alive and still in command. Everything in order? Everything's in order. I told you I'd come back. Uh Even if I am a bit streamlined. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson, and tonight brought you Leinengen vs. the Ants by Carl Stevenson, adapted for radio by Robert Reif, with William Conrad as Leinengen and Lou Merrill as the commissioner. Music was conceived and conducted by Cy Fuhr. Next week... You are groping through a dark alleyway in the French Quarter of New Orleans, with terror driving you on. And always before your eyes is the malevolent stare of a voodoo man striking you with a deadly curse from which you must escape. Next week, we escape with William Irish's eerie story of a voodoo-haunted band leader, Papa Benjamin. Good night, then, until this same time next week, when we again offer you Escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Up next, we have The Hermit's Cave, which was a syndicated horror series that began in September of 1937. And from what I gathered from my research, it looks like it ended sometime in the late 1940s. Side note, from 1940 to 1944, it was produced by actor William Conrad, who was at the ripe age of 22. The radio play tonight is entitled Vampire's Desire, and it was first broadcasted on July 13th, 1941, and stars radio actor Mel Johnson. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Vampire's Desire. The Mummers in the Little Theater of the Air. the hermit is ready to help you spend an entertaining half hour. <laughs> Ghost stories. Weird stories. And murders, too. <laughs> the hermit knows of them all. Turn out your lights. Turn them out. You heard the story, the vampire's desire. Hmm? Then listen while the hermit tells you the story. <laughs> Looking place, Mr. Winton? It is at that. We can't go any farther in this downpour. We shall most likely have to stay in this doorway then. The house looks untenanted. Does it that? However, there may be someone in. There's no one living in this tomb of a place, Mr. Winton. I think you're right, John. I wonder where we are. I haven't had the slightest idea where we are since the beginning of the storm and we lost our way. Hmm. I think you're right about the place being untenable. Try the door. Maybe we can break in. Anything to get out of this storm. Try the door. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, it's opening. Oh, good. Well? Good evening. We've lost our way. Been caught in this storm. We're drenched to the skin. More fools you for being out on a night like this. Very agreeable, sir. May we come in and get dried out? You're not welcome. Well, surely you're not going to turn us away on a night like this. I don't care what kind of a night it is. You're not welcome. Well, all right, may we come in, whether we're welcome or not. No. Good night. She's slamming the door in your face. <coughs> Kindly soul. When the old woman tried to slam the door, I stuck my foot in the way, and she hasn't tried to close it anymore. Well, good. Let's take a chance on going in, then, whether we're welcome or not. All right, sir. Now, which way, Mr. Winton? Who can tell in this pitch darkness? <laughs> Listen. The old woman. Yeah. Mr. Winton, we're in the house of a mad woman. It isn't a very pleasant sound, is it? Doesn't seem to be a light in the whole place. What shall we do? We'll go to the right, feel along the wall for a light switch or a door. All right. Come along, then. Follow me. Ah, here's a door. 
John. Stay close by me. Yes, sir. Oh, good Lord, sir. Is she going to keep that up all night? Well, if she is, I wish she'd tell what the joke is so we can laugh with her. Find the light switch? Uh, no. There doesn't seem to be one. All right, then. We'll continue in the dark. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. Maybe we can find something to sit on. Uh, yes, sir. Ah. Hmm? What's this? I found something. What is it? Well, it might be a bookcase built into the wall. All right. There may be at least something in it that we can sit on. Even books would be better than the cold floor. Yes, sir. Although I can't feel anything yet. Keep talking, John, so I can find my way over to you. Yes, sir. Why don't you strike a match? Fine chance either of us have of doing that. It'll be soaking wet. Where are you? Right here, sir. You're almost up to me. Oh. Now, where's the bookcase? Right here. Let me have your hand. Ah, oh. oh, yes. Now, let's feel all through it. Maybe something of use in it. You never can tell. What was that? Sounds like someone at the door. What are you doing? Trying to light a match. Any luck? No, sir. Just like you said, they're sopping wet. Quiet now. Let's listen. Huh. I must have been imagining things. I've been imagining things ever since we first heard that old woman laugh like that. It fairly makes my hair stand on end. There it is again, sir. A rustling near the door. Who is that? Who's there? Stay away from that bookcase. Stay away. Who is it? Who are you? Stay away from that bookcase. We wouldn't be near the blessed bookcase if he'd be gracious enough to conduct us to a room with some furniture in it so that we might rest and get dry. Stay away from the bookcase. He's leaving, sir. Well, this is a fine how-do-you-do, isn't it? Oh, I've had about enough, sir. I'd sooner we were on our way. Oh, nonsense. However, we leave the bookcase alone if that's what we're asked to do. <laughs> He's still here about? Yes, I heard him. Say, so you playing some game with us? If so, we're not in the mood for it. No answer. No. <laughs> oh, there she is again. Yes. That's enough. That's enough. What are you going to do, sir? This is some fool game they're playing with us. I'm going to find out about it and put a stop to it. There's a man and woman living in this house. There must be some furniture in at least one of the rooms. Some heat, sir. I'm chilled to the bone. Yeah, some heat. There isn't, and there's something going on here that we should investigate and put a stop to. Come along, John. All right, sir, if you say so. Where to first? We'll start right where we are. Search the whole house. From this floor up to the roof. Mr. Winton, look. Where? Down to the end of this hall. There's the old man who was talking to us in the room downstairs, telling us to keep away from the bookcase. I think you're right. Carrying a shaded lantern. Yes, sir. John, we'll follow him. Yes. He'll lead us somewhere. We can't wander in this house all night in the dark. At any rate, he has a light. I don't think he's noticed us. We'll have to get close to him before he turns that corner down to the end of the hall. Yes, He's almost at the corner. There, he turned. Hurry. He might duck into some room close by and we'll lose him. Easy now. While I peek around the corner. You see him, sir? Yes. Going into the first room on the left. Quiet. 
hair is stale and musty here. Yes. Never mind about that just now. That makes me gasp for breath. Here's the room he went into. Quiet now while I have a look. Is he in there, sir? Strange. I'm sure he went in there. He might be hiding behind the door waiting to pounce on us. Old man like that couldn't do much pouncing. He might be armed. <coughs> oh, take that chance. The air is stale and musty here, isn't it? I can hardly get my breath. The foul, fetid air coming from that room the old man went into. Well, if he can stand it, we can. All right, sir. <coughs> but be careful. Yeah. He's not in here. If he is, he's turned out the lantern. Hello. Hello. There's no one in here. Huh? The door, John. The door just slammed shut. Oh, there's no door here. I ran right into a blank wall. Where the door was? Right here, yes. John, we're trapped. Uh, Some devilman underfoot in this house. We're right in the middle of it. In a room with no way out. <coughs> and no air. No air. Now, don't start whimpering. We're in it and we'll have to see what we can do to get out. But what could they want of us? How should I know? What shall we do? Just sit and wait? No, we'll start looking for a way out of this room right now. If we only had a light... Maybe we can find some other way out of this room. We can try. You go to your right, I'll go to the left. We follow the wall around till we meet. All right. And tap the wall as you go along. Listen for hollow spots. No. Oh. Now what? I stumbled over something on the floor, sir. Well, what is it? I don't know. I shall have to feel. Oh. What is it, John? A body, sir. Are you sure? Yes, sir. It's the body of a man. Where is it? No, don't touch it, sir. Don't touch it. Why not? I did. And a part of it crumbled to bits. Good heaven. Yes, sir. It crumbled under my touch. Where, where is it? Right at my feet. I'm afraid to move another step. We'll see what this is. Yes. You're right. I just touched it and part of the clothing crumbled away. Yeah. And John, I, I felt bone. Oh, sir. That's what's going to happen to us. If we don't get out of this place, I just know it is. Yeah, that fellow must have been dead for years. The clothing just crumbled away in my fingers. Yes. John, we must get out of this place as quickly as possible. We're in great danger, I'm sure of it. In danger of our lives. We've got to find a way out of this room before we suffocate. Why don't we try to find the place where the door was, sir? Yes. Back to the door, John. We haven't time to look for any other exit. We'll have to find out how to open the door we came in. It's over this way, sir. Right along this wall. Who's there? There's the hideous cackle of the old woman again. Never mind about that cackle. We've only a few minutes to find a way out of here. When that door closed, it hermetically sealed this room. If we don't get out, we'll suffocate. What shall I do, sir? Feel along the floor while I search along the walls here. Feel for any loose boards or any part of the floor that might move. Yes, sir. Have you found anything yet? No, sir. Keep working. For heaven's sake, keep working. I can't do any more, sir. I'm through. Keep searching, John. Keep searching. There must be a secret spring somewhere in here that'll open this door. Did you find anything yet, John? John, answer me. John. He's done for. 
Don't let go, man. Keep on. Hang on. We're not done for yet. in a hermetically sealed room. Where is the old man with the lantern? King? The hermit will tell you before the night is done. sealed room in a house of mystery. Yes, John has lapsed into unconsciousness, but just as Winton is about to drop off, something happens. Listen. <laughs> John. John, we've made it. I've found the hidden spring just in time. do it, sir. Just before I went under, I I happened on that hidden spring that works the door. What about the old man with the lantern? And the cackling old woman? And the crumbling body of the man? We're going to see about those things immediately. I'm going to get to the bottom of this thing. And Come get, on. And get suffocated all over again? I don't think we will. Besides, I know where the release for the door is now. Come along. Be careful. Take an extra long step when you enter the room. I think we tripped some kind of mechanism when we first entered. Yes, sir. Old man with a lantern went into this room and disappeared. Where can he have got to? If he stayed in the room, he must have suffocated. He didn't stay in the room. I'm positive of that. Keep your ears open. Listen for any hollow sounds. One, sir. Yes, I heard it. Listen. Don't you hear someone talking? No, sir. Put your ear to the wall and listen. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. I can't. You hear it now? Yes, sir. Two people talking. Yes. I knew that old man couldn't have vanished into thin air. There's another door hidden here somewhere. And we're going to find it. Feel for anything movable around the wainscoting. I'll work up the sides here. Can you hear what they're saying? No, they're too far away to catch any of the words. However, from his tone, I'd say he was threatening her. Ah. You found it, sir? Yes, this little bud on the decoration here. Look, sir, a flight of stairs. Yes, and leading down. Come on. Oh, haven't we had enough for one night, sir, without sticking our noses in any further? We've gone this far and had an attempt made on our lives. We're going to clear up this business before we leave. No telling what might be down there, sir. That's what I'm going to find out. Well, 
coming with me, or shall I go alone? Oh, no, sir, I'm coming. A little more clearly now. It's close enough to make out their conversation. Now there are two more up there with Gregory. Yes. <laughs> Man we saw with a lantern. Talking about us, John. Yes, sir. He thinks we're dead upstairs with that body we found. If you do not continue to obey me. That's what will happen to you. Oh, no. No. <laughs> cringe. Cringe. That's what I want you to do. Come on, John. We'll see what we can do about this. When I'm gone, you think all the money will be yours. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. There's a turn in the passage just ahead. I can see a light shining. Quietly now. We'll be able to see into the room in a moment or so. Tomorrow, you will bring me another young animal to feed upon. Yes, Brother Don. It's her brother that's talking. Yes. Easy now while I look around the corner. What in heaven's name? What do you see, sir? Come here. Great heavens. A coffin. Yes, a coffin. With a huge lighted candle and, at each corner. And look in the coffin. A man. The one we heard talking. When you get back to your cottage each morning, you wonder where you've been the night before. Don't you? Huh? <laughs> there you are, John. But his lips don't move. No. But that's where the voice is coming from. You don't know that I have you under my power. <laughs> what shall we do, sir? We'll dash in there and let matters take their course. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Come on, then. Lydia, the candles, quick! Out with them! Stop! Stop. John, quickly, that cover over there! Slam it on the coffin! Lady, look at her. Look at the change that's coming over. Oh, oh, oh where am I? A, a, a coffin? You two, where am I? You should know better than us. But I, but I, I don't. Are you sure? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, please believe me. Why, well, I begin to understand now. I think I do, too. It's been this all the time. While I thought it was just a terrible nightmare. Would you like to make yourself clear? The coffin. Tell me, who's in it? Who's in the coffin? You mean to say that you don't know? Oh, no, I swear I don't. Well, you called him brother just a few moments ago. Brother? Your own brother Garnet is in that coffin. No. No, how can that be? We, we buried my brother Garnet over eight years ago. Oh, I see. Yes. You are... I'm Lydia Crampton. Miss Crampton, I would advise you to start at the beginning so that we might unravel this maze. Oh, I'll try. But, oh, but not here, please. Yes, here. If my deductions are correct, 
It would be better for everyone concerned to get the truth right here and now. All right. There's very little I can tell you that I know definitely. Brother Garnet died about eight years ago. I... Oh, I hate to say it, but he was horrible. He was a devil. As soon as Father died and he came into the money, he started making my life miserable. Why? I never could find out why. Then Garnet died and was buried. And with him was buried the secret of Father's will. I know that the estate was supposed to pass on to me after Garnet's death, but I can't find any sign of the will. Well, what have you done? I have a small income from my mother. I've been living in a little cottage not far from here. And now comes the part that's like a terrible dream. But I'm beginning to see it now. I'm positive that I'm right when I say that Garnet somehow was able to exercise his will upon me after death. What makes you say that? What I've been thinking were horrible nightmares. I now see were actual occurrences. He made me come here every night to wait upon him. He told me that Gregory, his butler, had placed him here in this coffin and had buried a dummy in his place. Then he killed Gregory. The body in the room upstairs? Yes. When he had me under his spell, I used to pass through that room and laugh at the remains of Gregory. Call him lazy for always sleeping on the floor. To think that I would do a thing like that. Go ahead, Miss Crampton. He made me bring him a young animal every day or two. What was that for? He fed upon them. Ah, I thought so. He feeds upon the blood of animals. Yes. He sucked the blood from them. And when he had fed, he had the strength to get out of his coffin for a while. This is horrible. Stop her. Oh, quiet, John. Then that's how we saw him in the hall upstairs. Go ahead, Miss Crampton. That is about all. He used to taunt me by the hour, telling me I'd never come into my inheritance. I see. When we slammed the lid on the coffin, we broke his spell over you. Yes, you must have done. Tell me, Miss Crampton, where in this room are we in connection with the rest of the house? I don't know. It must be on the ground floor, I suppose. That's what I was thinking. I have an idea. What is it, sir? Ah, hear that? Another hollow spot. Exactly. Now, watch this point right here. Yes, sir. We'll press it and... Ah. It's opening. What? Why, it's the bookcase in the front room. Look at this in the back of the bookcase. A small secret compartment. Keep away from the bookcase. The dead body is talking. Talking even with the coffin lid on. All right, John. We're ready to put a stop to his talking. Here, Miss Crampton, a package from the compartment in the back of the bookcase. I think you'll find it's your father's will. Father's will? Yes. Now, John, take those candles out of the candlesticks. Yes. Hand the candles to Miss Crampton. Now, hand me one candlestick and use the other as the hammer. But what are we going to do, sir? We're going to put an end to Gardner Crampton. But how, sir? What are we going to do with the candlestick? I'll show you. I'll use the ornamental pointed end of this candlestick as a spear. You use your candlestick as a hammer. We'll drive this one through the heart of that monster in the coffin. No, no. But that would be murder. We'll not. He only lives during the night. Go on, strike. We'll release his soul so that he'll never trouble anyone on earth again. Faster, John. I'm working as fast as I can, sir. When Miss Crampton told me he was feeding on young animals... Sucking the blood? Yes. I knew then that we had a vampire to deal with. What are you doing? 
For heaven's sakes, what are you doing? We're ridding the face of the earth of a vampire. <laughs> it's done. We've driven the point of this candlestick through the coffin and through the heart of Garnet Crampton, who's long been dead, but whose soul has been held in bondage by the result of his evil practices in life. put an end to the vampire's desire. Released his soul so it could never again return to the earth. Turn on your lights. Turn them on. (laughs) I'll be back. Pleasant dream. Characters, places, and occurrences mentioned in the Hermit's Cave are fictitious, and similarity to persons, places, or occurrences is purely accidental. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can look me up on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. If you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a request, a suggestion, a even a critique, feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. And I do have a uh, YouTube channel, Terra Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe, like the videos. will be highly appreciated. Again, this is Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off for now, but we'll be back on October 13th with brand new episodes. See you all later. <laughs>